What has no turntables and a new microphone? Can you tell? Can you hear it? Uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea what you mean. Yeah, uh, nor should you because I spent, um, you know, a, a little bit of, of money that, uh, you know, that could have been used to feed children or, or you know, donate to the solve climate change. I said, <laughs> And I spent it on a microphone that is slightly better than the one i had before but slightly better is a big deal in in the world of sound i'm in heaven right now but no (laughs) one else including you will ever know uh my name is matt silverman joined as always by who i'm sorry who is this this is colette bennett and you have entered the chat uh colette and matt have entered the chat and uh, it's a place where we like to talk about video games and what we've been playing Uh, how, how have you been I have been well, and I have been playing fun things, but uh, I won't talk about that right this minute. Um, but yeah, can't can't complain. It's it's a in my opinion. Oh man, I might have said this the last show. Don't the kids say these days we're eating well? Oh, they're feeding us well. Yeah, that's how yeah, I feel about yeah. video games right now. Feeding yeah, us well, despite well fed. N- almost no big news or big releases like happening right now. There is still so much to play, uh, but as you said, I think I know why you're not going to talk about that yet. And nope. the re- the reason yep. is Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. We're not alone. It's a very I'm special episode. Literally, never going to get over Scully. I'm sorry. Go on. No, yeah, you nor should you. This is why we're here. Uh, we're not alone because we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, his name is Wagner James Ow. And he is a writer. He is an author. He is a journalist who I don't know if he exclusively covers uh, these things, but we're going to find out primarily and exclusively and perhaps exclusively covers virtual worlds, specifically Second Life, which, uh, Colette, I-, I hate to inform you, has turned 20 years old this <sighs> June. And wow. uh, it's that's it's just not OK. If, I mean, as as I, I guess, but the thing is, I guess if you have a reaction to the words second life, if they are said to you, that means <laughs> that you are at least old enough to remember when second life was everywhere, right? But it it's so funny. I was thinking about how when the metaverse was like trying to really happen, you mm-hmm. know, in the tech world. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, why why is this a thing right now? Like, do these people... Did these people never hear about Second Life? That's and it's funny because I had been thinking about Second Life. And well, yeah, we're, we're gonna we we're, we're gonna get into that the history and where we've come and where we are now in the in the context of uh, you know current quote unquote metaverses. Uh, James's new book is called "Making a Metaverse That Matters." I Ooh. love that title. Uh, from Snow Crash and Second Life to a virtual world worth fighting for. This book just came out. James Al, welcome to the chat. Hey there. Thanks for having me on. This is super fun. Thanks Fellow for coming. Scully Stan here. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my first ever fandom. That was the first time I ever wrote fanfic. I like wanted <laughs> I, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be her or I wanted to like fall in love with her. It was probably both. <laughs> fanfic slash fic. Yeah, yeah. There you go. 
so James, tell us, uh, give us your background. Where did you, you know, uh, what's your internet story? What's your gaming story? And then where along the food chain here did you did you fall in love with Second Life? Yeah, well, I guess I'll start in the late 90s. I was a young, hopefully up-and-coming writer in uh, San Francisco, writing for places like Wired and Salon. And kind of my uh, half-assed uh, pretentious idea was I want to do writing about games like Pauline Kael wrote about movies for New Yorker. And <laughs> so, uh, uh, also along the way, started noticing the mod community like uh, in Doom and Quake and so on. I really got oh, into yeah. it. Um, very influential game called Thief. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've played uh, by Looking Glass Studios. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, you know, a masterpiece in all kinds of ways and very influential, but also was amazing. A, a very large modding community sprung up around it. And the levels they were making, the best ones, they were as good as what Looking Glass was making, <laughs> just in terms of really interesting stories and gameplay and interactivity. And that's kind of when it first occurred to me, wow, you know, if you give the the players the same tools that the professionals are using, they can work on a professional level. So they can make really amazing things. And you kind of have this uh, equal sharing of creative responsibilities of the company and the community. So that's when I really yep. started focusing on that. And that's around the time that Linden Lab, the creators of Second Life, brought me in to see an early demo of Second Life. And the original idea was they uh, thought I might write about it, but then the hmm. idea came up that, like, they said, well, maybe you could write for us. Like, we're, you know, it's, <laughs> we got an early beta community. Ah! And uh, and this is 2003, so uh, we were right about to uh, go into Iraq, and there was a lot of embedded journalists. So I thought, well, this would be like an embedded journalist in a virtual world. And so I made a, a reporter uh, avatar called Hamlet Linden at the time and got a, got a white got, got a white suit uh, kind of a uh, another pretentious tribute to uh, Tom Wolf in that case and yeah just started exploring the world but really yeah it was it was from the background of of seeing the emergence of the modding community and a little bit like with uh, what will Wright was trying to do with Sims online which mm-hmm. actually second life saw itself as a competitor with is uh, you know again ah. trying to create create tools for the players to create their own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that because like, is Second Life a video game or is it more <laughs> of a platform virtual world? I'm interested in those semantics, yeah. especially as it relates to what the, what's going on with The Sims and everything. Well, I get into this in making a metaverse that matters because that was one of the early decisions uh, for good and ill with hmm. Linden Lab when they were launching Second Life. Like I mentioned, um, they did see it as a competitor to like The Sims Online. Because that was the most kind of similar thing out there, and Corey and Draco is basically the co-founder of Second Life. He was uh, from the game industry. He did a lot of uh, video games before that. So there was there was a, a, a fair amount of gaming DNA in there. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, Second Life, the very early launch, it had game mechanics. So it had like an achievement system and a rating system, so you could rate each other. Users could rate each other which uh, quickly got gamed. People would kind of rate, rate attack each other. They would negatively rate <laughs> each other. But then there'd be a, a leaderboard where you become the most popular person on Second Life or the person with the, the best builds, the you know, creative uh, content. So it started as a game. And really, it was this, uh, we're building the metaverse vision that 
really it, it, that was part of this the early Second Life vision. Like I mentioned in the other podcast, it was also inspired by Burning Man. But even more than that, yeah, all, everyone there at Linden Lab had read Snow Crash and was really excited to create something like that. And so the idea is, well, we don't want to create a game per se. We want to create a virtual world that you can do anything and you should not feel limited by by any kind of game mechanics. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a double-edged sword. <laughs> I just I have to put a mark here and just say before we go on that in researching uh, Second Life for this discussion, I learned that this completely fully 3D social world, I don't know whether metaverse was was being used at that time to describe it, uh, and and you know more, James, but like... Mm -hmm. Arrived on the internet a month before MySpace. I just want to. Oh, yeah. I just want listeners yep. to to think about that. MySpace did not even exist, and we have and we had a three D virtual world on the internet that is still thriving today, twenty right. years later. Which, if you think about that, and then you think about the fact that Mark Zuckerberg was trying to make the metaverse sound like his creation, exactly. Like if you have if you're a gamer A but B if you're a long time gamer <laughs> you, re, you you're like the metaverse has been around for ages and like you guys like all these like mainstream muggles don't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's a direct relationship too Colette cuz uh well also I said this in the book uh, Corey and Draca after he left Linden Lab he ended up joining uh still called Facebook at the time and was a head uh, oh. VP who who got Facebook to go on mobile, and then Zuckerberg said, "Well, find the next great technology." So uh, Corey is the one who found Oculus back right after the uh, Kickstarter. What? Yeah, and he got he got Zuckerberg to acquire Oculus, and then he started telling Zuckerberg and and uh, Bosworth and the other Facebook people there about Second Life and virtual worlds, and so he kind of laid the foundation for Meta shift to the metaverse. But somewhere along the way between when he left in, you know, like uh, 2015 or so and when Meta became Meta from Facebook in 2020, they kind of forgot a lot of the things he was telling them about. And so uh... that's that's where you see a lot of the fuck ups that they're still dealing with today uh, just because they sort of they bought the hardware without realizing it's really about community and the yep. social aspects that are essential. Oh my gosh, that is so cool to hear because now I know that you know a person who like kind of inadvertently made a great life change for me because I've been playing Oculus since the beginning and it's like amazing. It's one of the few, like the things that have kept me active even like when the pandemic was happening. <laughs> so love it. Um, Did you own the original pre-meta, you know, pre-Facebook? Yep. You did, Oh right? yeah, wow. we had the black one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Kickstarter yeah. one. Yep, yeah. we had that one. Yeah. So been interested in in VR for a pretty long time. Um, but but yeah, so anyway, not to digress off the main point, but uh, that is that is ironic to me and yet also not a surprise at all to hear that Meta could had a, could have had some of the really good secrets of how to make it work and clearly didn't take them. Right. Yeah, yeah this I, I would like to define the semantics. And this may be a discussion or some controversy, like the semantics of a metaverse, mm-hmm. because 
My personal definition is some sort of interoperable uh, platform. And I don't even know that it needs to be VR or 3D. I would argue that the World Wide Web is a metaverse uh, hmm. by, by the standards mm. that, you know, a Mark Zuckerberg has put forward. Um, what, what do you think <laughs> about that? You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I devote a whole chapter into the, the history of the term with its beginnings in the novel because, yeah, <laughs> I kind of was pulling my hair out with people talking about it because Zuckerberg was not really well defining it. And then the media was kind of following after him, trying to basically say, well, the metaverse, I guess, is whatever Zuckerberg says it is. But no, uh, the metaverse Mm -hmm. is a vast, immersive virtual world with highly customizable avatars and content creation tools that's linked to the real world economy. In other words, you can make a living Mm -hmm. from the content you sell. And it's also integrated with external Mm -hmm. technology. So in other words... You could eventually connect it up to robots and other devices so you can control them from within the virtual world. And and I go wow. point by point in Snow Crash um, because uh, during the meta hype, people were saying, well, it, I guess the term came from Snow Crash. And I'm like, dude, no, the whole concept came from Snow Crash. He described it uh-huh. in great detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Painstaking detail. I mean, he's a he's a programmer. And uh, Neil Stevenson, he really thought through what this would be <laughs> like. And then people like John Carmack, uh, Tim Sweeney, Corey Andreka, Philip Rosedale, who went on to found Second Life, they, they took this and said, okay, well, let's try to build something like this. So uh, mm-hmm. for me, it's like, well, let's, let's stay with the, the, the definition that is rooted to Sec- to snow crash otherwise we're all going to lose our minds because you know <laughs> the term is from him and it's like you know people started to slap on like web3 and cryptocurrency he's like dude no that didn't yeah, come from this yeah. and even with right. vr whether it has to be a vr that that requires a slight footnote because in snow crash it's described as being vr for the most part uh, poor people use kind of is sort of described like a, a telephone terminal it's mostly mm-hmm. uh, the the elite who use the VR, which is still kind right. of the case now. When you have metaverse platforms <laughs> like uh, Roblox and uh, VR Chat and so on, VRChat, it's mostly yeah. people who own who are you know, like the elite or the hardcore players who own VR. But most people access it through a PC or through mobile. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, uh, right after the book came out, uh, Doom came out. The game Doom. Mm-hmm. And 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 Neil played it and was like, oh, I, I guess you don't really need a VR headset to access the metaverse. So he very to, quickly... Or to access a 3D space. It yeah. Right. right. Okay. He's like, oh, okay, you don't hmm. you don't need the whole headset for immer- you know, full immersion. Hmm. And right. so that's that's important too to, to come away with. Not only just because, uh, you know, like that's the concept, but uh, just on a practical level, it's very expensive to access with a VR headset. And also, which I also get into the book, uh, Women have a propensity to get nauseous. I mean, um, Colette's an exception, but there's been studies that, yeah, women very uh, probably get nauseous. And Yeah, did you have to overcome that, Colette? Yeah, yeah, and here's, but it wasn't that I really overcame it. It was that the original Oculus, my first experience was some sort of space game, and I couldn't handle it. Like, everything was, hmm. you know, moving yeah. <laughs> at the same time, and it, it did make me nauseous. And I'm also a person who gets car sick, so maybe I was like, you know, I don't know, gonna have that reaction anyway. 
But then I remember really clearly that the first experience I ever had playing game where you stayed stationary and played Mm -hmm. was, was, you know, Beat Saber. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, oh, and that didn't make me sick. And then it was so much fun that from there I, you know, continued to, to kind of investigate. And, you know, now I, I'm a, you know, a current like Oculus uh, or a MetaQuest, keep forgetting that it's that MetaQuest <laughs> 2 like user. And I, I honestly love it. I'm very excited, like what this will look like in five or 10 years. Yeah. You know, the headsets. But anyway, oh, so yeah. so yes, very uh, was able to luckily get over it. I have never played a game since like that space game that had things like literally moving everywhere. So I couldn't say what that would be like like today but on the yeah. whole like i yeah I, with you know, higher, I found my niche higher frame rates and better motion controls or whatever maybe you could sit in a cockpit today or maybe you'd still uh you'd still right get, get in right trouble. that's the thing it's it's probably different so but I, I tell you what i i'm sure if i was able to get into one of the apple headsets i would be just fine <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. i i'm obsessed with this line this this semantic thread i've often talked about Fortnite and Minecraft as metaverses because yep. they are so big and you're you are representing yourself in a very customizable way but but by those previous definitions from Snow Crash like I can make money by streaming Fortnite to another platform yeah. but I cannot make money inside Fortnite and then cash it out as real world money well, no, so they they have a they have a marketplace now Okay. Oh, oh, they do. Minecraft Marketplace. Yeah, that was that was fairly Minecraft recent. Minecraft does. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, okay. But, but you're right. For the longest time, it there was no economy. Okay. But kind of similar to Fortnite, it was a few, it was a fun, huge, you know, uh, it, it was a fun, huge survival game for the first few years. But now they've added mm-hmm. more monetization tools, which they just announced at the last GDC. So it's kind of a an emerging metaverse, or I call it a metaverse platform because it has all those qualities okay. which we discussed. Yes. Got it. So this is so back this is back in you we're saying late 90s and you put on your I hope you had a fedora on your avatar <laughs> with a little press pass on it. Uh, Come on. Well, you know, it's the Tom Wolf suit. Like that's like <laughs> everyone knows who the hell that is cuz I got a white suit on. Like I go in the war zone and I'm I'm flying around and they're shooting at me and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so or, so that's my question like it's the beginning of second life yeah so the platform is emerging and i think very probably very technical and curious people are like mm, what's going on here but you're but you're there reporting on the ground like who's there what is going yeah. on in the mm-hmm. earliest days of second life yeah it was a very kind of weirdly diverse community especially in the first year, like there was a lot of people who were just fans of virtual worlds, which really Second Life, even even as old as it is, it was not the first. There was another one mm-hmm. called Active Worlds. There was another one called uh, Black Sun, which is named after the uh, nightclub in uh, in Snow Crash. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> there was a there was a small even back then there was a small but very passionate community around virtual worlds, like metaverse type virtual worlds. And then you had a bleed over of people who were in, um, well, uh, there, there was another one, uh, you know, like, I've never heard of any of these. I assumed there, I assumed this was like, yeah, I assumed this was like, Hey, we all played Ultima online together and that's a thing. (laughs) So what, what if I could go in it's fully 3d and I could fly 
and then you have MMO people coming into this new thing. But what you're saying is no, it's those people too, probably, but also yeah, some of them. Yeah, refugees yeah, from these, failed other failed yeah, projects. Yeah, virtual. I'm like, I mean, we we'll go way back. We'd have to go back <laughs> to um, Habitat from LucasArts, which was in the '80s. And what is that? Ooh, I don't know anything about that one. It's kind of crazy because they a lot of the concepts like avatars came from from uh, Habitat, and yeah, that was very early. I mean, before technically the commercial internet even existed or the web at least. So. Yeah, the concept has been out there huh. for, for just quite a long time. That That's even before uh, Snow Crash. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you had a, a really um, passionate community around the concept of Virtual Worlds. It was pretty niche at that point. And then at the same time, you had fans of, of uh, Sims Online, got a lot of folks from there. And then mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. bleed over of MMOs, because even like the early MMOs like uh, EverQuest or uh, Ultima Online, there's a lot of socialization and content that's not specifically like killing 10 rats kind of yes you know, that's what stuff. i mean so, like these these yeah. so they, they are games game games but then the communities that form in there are much more dynamic and social yeah uh, right yeah so a yep. lot of survivors from different worlds that were like well, well let's do more of the social and creative aspects and then they end up in second life and then what got really fun there was an early mmo called world war ii online <laughs> which as that suggests is uh they're basically trying to simulate all of world war ii in an mmo space and you so you could choose the access or the allies and a, a a bunch of them started going to second life to plan their strategies in world war ii online Whoa. so so they so they they would go into one virtual world and they were using the building tools in second life to like create like strategic maps it was like okay we're gonna Whoa. move our tanks through here so it became like kind of their command com center, Second Life. And then hilariously, though, because their personalities, their culture tended to be very different. They tended to be war gamers. Uh, a lot of them from the South. A lot of them were milita- military veterans. So hmm. when uh, the war in Iraq broke out, you kind of had this war zone area. There's a small war zone area in Second Life where you could shoot people and kill them and they'd have to teleport back to their home location the all the war gamers were in the war zone and there was a giant um kind of like a cold war barrier separating the rest of the world but because <laughs> actual war was happening at the same time the peace loving second life users really started getting pissed off at the war gamers and they would have kind of <laughs> like a a civil war back and forth they shoot back and forth a, across the wall i wrote about that in the first book called the war of the jesse wall and they they put <laughs> posters up they they put like real world pro war anti war posters on this giant wall uh-huh. and while they shot each other with tanks and teleporting bullets and flying like spaceships it was it was really crazy and amazing okay wow. but this is my this is my mechanical question about the platform especially at this time shooting was not a part of it so in this zone is that a, is that are those physics and and yeah. uh, items and guns created by the players? How does that yeah. happen? Yeah, you, you, there, there's a there's a physics system in it, so you can and a scripting internal scripting system. So yeah, you can script bullets. In fact, Got it. one developer uh, it, it became an arms race. Like uh, some creators created shields against bullets, and so <laughs> like kind of like you know from Dune shields, and so another guy figured out how to make the b- 
bullets teleport. So they would teleport through the shields and kill the guy. So it was wow. uh, Yeah, it was really amazing. I it actually I should even add, like Corey and Draca, he showed an early version of Second Life to Tim Sweeney and the and the guys at <gasps> Epic, and they were like, Oh, we should do something like this. And that eventually yeah. it seems like a lot of the DNA of Second Life ended up in uh, Fortnite. Wow. Oh wow. Ugh. This makes so much sense. Like everything, every time you're like, yeah, this connects to this. I'm like, of course. It's all connected. <laughs> did, Colette, did you ever, have you ever, did you ever sign up and play Second Life? Yeah, I did. And here's why. There's a, there's a funny story that goes along with it. So in 2007, no, 2006, I was trying to become a gaming blogger because I was reading lots of Kotaku and at the time Joystick and I forget what the third one was, lots of IGN. And I was just like, I want to blog about video games. And what seemed cool about it to me was that like anybody could do it, you know? So I started my little blog and, you know, I'm doing my thing or whatever. And then finally, I think I got to a point where I was like, I've written some things on my blog. Maybe I'll try to find, maybe I'll even approach some of the blogs I, I admire and ask if I can write. And the, the, my first one that I ever did, but the first story ever was about Second Life. And in order to write about Second huh. Life, I had to go play Second Life. Uh. Now, I can't tell you anything about what that experience was like <laughs> because I can't remember last week, much less then. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Google but, it while we're talking. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, know what? I, I was just thinking about this earlier when you guys were talking and it kind of popped into my mind. It was interesting. You know, when I went to Second Life for the first time, I was like, I do re at least remember thinking, this is really cool. But... The first time I ever went into like the, I forget, uh, was it Horizon Worlds was mm -hmm. like Meta's mm -hmm. take on it. The first time I went in there, I was like, this is stupid. Like <laughs> I had a very specific, like this doesn't feel like it was made by people that understand games at all mm -hmm. feeling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and I'm just wondering why, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it was because, oh, I've seen it before. It was more like something was alluring and fascinating about Second Life that was totally the opposite when I tried Horizon Worlds. Hmm. Yeah. Really, it's a, it's a tension between uh, Corey and Draca, who we've been talking about, and Philip Rosedale, who's generally considered the, the main founder of Second Life. And Philip mm -hmm. is very much not a gamer. And mm -hmm. his inspiration as much uh, as Snow Crash was um, Birdie Man. So his idea was right. he, he wanted a, a, a like literally a empty palette where you would come across people and kind of create an entire civilization from nothingness. And yeah. so even to this day, he's reluctant to have a game-like experience over that. And to him, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like an... It's an artificial imposition to our humanity that we'd be having a challenge against each other. And mm -hmm. so there's, there's, there's been that tension from the very beginning. And yeah, it's, it, it lasts to this day. And I've been, <laughs> I, you know, hopefully with a book on Convey, you really do need a game, some, some light game mechanics. Because really, even in a in, in real world third, you know, what they call the third space, like a social space, like a bar or a park. Yes, I've read about this people. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, where we meet new people, 
you generally have games. You have frisbee or volleyball, mm. like if you're on a beach yeah. or at a bar, you have a quiz game or you're watching in sports there's, there's, or something. There's, a, there's some there's game, you know. There's a pool you know, table, yeah. Yeah, you need that as social lubricant or, and also it's kind of a, a context. So, I mean, that's yeah. my position, Meaning but yeah, like... like Second Life it was is not supposed to be the game, but you can bring your games into Second Life yeah. or make the games, place the games in the virtual bar where you yeah. are inhabiting. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned that that compared uh, Second Life to Minecraft, which came out a few years after the Second Life hype wave. And really, mm-hmm. right. um, we, and like we were saying, Minecraft definitely has more of a, a metaverse features and also has a much larger user base. But really... It starts as a survival game, and mm-hmm. the, the interface is all around surviving. And only after you learn the interface, then you think about, oh, I can create anything. I can create art right. projects with friends. And mm-hmm. yeah, to me, I think you really need that. But um, it's funny. I, I asked Philip for the book, like, you know, if you could go back and you could make Second Life more like Minecraft or Roblox, so it's more gamey, but you'd get a mm-hmm. much larger user base, would you do it? And he's like, no, nah, I wouldn't be interested in that. I'm like, Dude, nope. It's yeah. it, like Second yeah. Life. I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Like you know, because Second Life, uh, you know, it has a very passionate user base. It's really amazing. It's a great model in many ways, but it just it could never get past like six hundred thousand users for the very reason that you just mentioned, Colette. Just you, you know, most people go, "What the fuck is this?" I like, "What do I do?" I don't care. <laughs> right yeah right what do i do this is very hard uh, yeah. i i have this burning question which is like we, I, I think about we talk about it here like scale and profitability and capitalism when it when it comes to social platforms internet platforms and of course here we talk about games Six hundred thousand users is not a lot of people in second no. life in 2023 is is the platform profitable sustainable oh, yeah. with that many users i'm well, sure that's it kind is of, that's uh, well that's kind of the wild thing even at six hundred thousand, it's still three times as large as meta's horizon worlds which yeah. I, I right? find hilarious <laughs> which they literally but, uh, but in a world where in a world where reddit and twitter and well facebook's a different story th- yeah. th- these are massive social networks with millions if not billions of users and they do not turn a profit because of their business model yeah and then i'm seeing second life which is like 600,000 obsessed people who pr- most of whom probably don't pay for anything and right. yet this platform is thriving yeah, the, Makes a, a it grosses about eighty million dollars last we saw, mm-hmm. and Jesus. about amazing um, the pro it's about half of that is pure profit I'd estimate, and what's really fascinating to me is because the user economy is so powerful, the users the user creators make about as much money from the Second Life economy as the actual company. Yeah, I'm, I'm a that when you told me that in our previous conversations that clinched it for me of like there are lessons in here for all internet platforms and probably many video games oh yeah for for that like uh, it's 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 unbelievable and there's nothing i can't think of anything else like this youtube youtube is a bad example because the profit ratios are not the same but for example youtube made a conscious decision to say look if we want this to be a place where quality videos go and it's not just cats playing piano, then we have to 
create an an uh, a creator ecosystem and empower creators to make a living from this platform. And it's very hard and it's very turbulent and, and not very stable, but like you can do it. Some people can do it. And, um, it's, but it's not, this is, that's not quite the same as, yeah, well, and really, uh, as Second Life. And most of the other user generated content platforms, the, the revenue is based on advertising. So exactly. with, with YouTube or blogging, like I do, it, you really, you need the eyeballs. And so you're focused on mass numbers of eyeballs and, and it, it incentivizes people to try to generate outrage and clicks. And so it really, it kind of distorts the economy from the get go. Whereas within, Second Life, like you're saying, kind of unique to all these other platforms, is really about creating amazing content and experiences. So, like, you know, uh, on the um, the other show we had on a woman, she makes at one point seventy five thousand U.S. dollars from virtual wedding dresses. Obsessed. And, wow. And she was amazing. And she I was asked her, so when, cool. Wait, how many? How, so you're set, you're selling thousands of them? No, she's like, no, I I sell one or two a week. It's just that she sells them for, you know, I don't know, what was that, probably $50 or something. But yeah, she made, mm-hmm. at one point, she was selling them enough to make 75000 US dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's just that people want this really beautiful experience as part of their, their social life. Because uh, it matters. You, like, like on the outside looking in, you think, why would, why do people want hat, cool hats for their video game character? Why do you need a wedding dress for your virtual wedding and pay money? Because it, why do you want a wedding dress for your real wedding? Because it matters exactly. to you and to your to the social interactions that you're having with your family exactly. friends or whatever. Just, yeah. it's, this is it. We are in I hate I hate the word metaverse, but like it, it nothing matters unless it matters. And it doesn't right. matter what space or time or right. framework it's in. Only that it matters to you and someone another human being. And guess what? Right. Maybe to a robot in ten years. It, like if I want to get married to a to a virtual person who really likes this wedding dress I'm wearing, then that's I'm gonna pay for that too. Get ready for that. Friends. Well, and it's funny because talking about this is making me think about NFTs and how with <laughs> NFTs I was like, you know, as a gamer, right? You know, long time gamer. I'm thinking to myself, well, you can't make people care about a digital item unless you know, they can do something cool with it, like (laughs) wear it or like attack something with it because my brain is just thinking, Oh, you know, DLC. I'm thinking, Oh yeah. Well you pay a dollar 49 and you get like a a really cool sword or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like in my brain, it makes perfect sense, but it was almost like NFTs was like, Hey, let's take this really cool concept and strip away. What's cool about it. (laughs) Let's take the meaning and heart out of it and see if we can still make a money. (laughs) I mean, yeah, pretty much. I got into that in the book because, yep. yeah, a lot of these platforms, like the cryptoverse, metaverse platforms like Decentraland and the Sandbox, they, they try that NFT model, but really it's sort of ass backwards. They were putting the speculation of the NFT first and not the community first. So people would uh... buy the NFT with the expectation they'd make money with it, but it wasn't about being part of a community and enjoying each other's experiences. So now, yeah, they're kind of like these sort of kind of alcoholic centers or something because there's just like people (laughs) hanging around there hoping that, you know, people are going to come and like revive the ghost town. And yeah, it just, you know, community comes first and 
yeah, it really that's why I'm skeptical the NFT stuff should be have anything to do with the metaverse. I'm kind of like, you know, get that yeah. shit away from us. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. It's it's dying a fast death. I, I oh, work yeah. in business and and it is just being laughed at and squished down at this point. So, yeah, that's go it, I don't think it's going to last that long. No. Unless someone, not that I'm not rooting for it, of course, but like, like to James's point, it's like it has to have social value and meaning yes. to be yes. valuable. And then if we want to track ownership or or ensure that people are getting what they pay for through some sort of network infrastructure, like a blockchain, like blockchain is a is a good technology that was just used to make casinos and that's you know and and buy things that don't have meaning that's right. you know it's it, like james like you said so yeah. it's backwards they, they built it backwards mm-hmm. exactly so and really, what's go ahead uh, go ahead no i was just, i was gonna ask only like what what's going on in second life these days are are you are you are still avid and and part of many communities oh i should mention the reason the way we found you was through a fantastic piece in the atlantic which i will i will link in the show notes and i do encourage okay. folks who are interested in this to to check it out because you basically said hey I joined as a reporter in the beginning, and I've seen all these communities. I've seen all these subcultures. There's there's a group for this. There's people who are marginalized in all parts of society came together in this virtual world and said, "Yes, we are LGBTQ. We are furries. We are mm-hmm. veterans. You know, we're all here." Um, so, I, just it's a broad question. Like, what do you see? What's what's going on in Second Life these days, or maybe in the last five years or so? Yeah, well, so it's, yeah, like uh, I think we mentioned, it's this 20th anniversary and the user base is still about the same in terms of users and the economy is still thriving. The uh, Linden Lab finally announced they are going to have a mobile version, like a full-fledged mobile version, which... uh, Wow. It's it's crazy. It's coming out now, finally. You know, like if they launched that 10 years ago, things would be very different, but they're finally putting it out, which is really great. And I think that's going to help spike the user base because then you can have people come in through mobile. Um, right. So, yeah, there's that. There's uh, another technology they're adding. I think we'll also grow the community where it's um, connecting the avatar to the uh, like a webcam. So it'll map your facial expressions and your hand uh, movement uh, to your avatar. And, yeah, like, I, for example, like um, live music and performance is already a big part of the second life culture right. and I, okay. I, I can see right. that becoming even more because it'll be you know see the person in live which i get i get into the book because you know people were really excited when travis scott came into Fortnite, which is really mm-hmm. cool but mm-hmm. it was all it was all pre-recorded right but yeah to get mocap powerful enough where someone could actually perform as an avatar live while the actual artist performs that's really difficult but yeah like uh this new second life fa- face mapping technology is a step in that direction. So, yeah. Just to clarify for, for for us and listeners too, meaning if a if a musician were to perform in Second Life today, what they would essentially do would be they would click a they would click on an animation that was like strumming guitar animation, yeah. and then they would sit back in their chair and play through a microphone, Stream and so people in Second Life would be viewing an, a pre programmed animation and listening to live audio. Am yeah. I understanding mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, the, the audio okay. was live, and usually that what the the uh, performer will do is they'll interact live with the audience, like, you know, address them by name. And so people know it's, it's live, but uh, yeah, uh, the interactivity 
it could be a lot more immersive. And so, yeah, this is going to be a step in that direction. That's so and, cool. Uh, yeah. Wow. We'd love to see more artists experiment. I think we will see that. Um, and so what do you, are you still reporting? I mean, obviously you're, oh, you, yeah. you've written multiple books, but are you reporting day to day on the, on the happenings in Second Life these days? Not as much on a daily basis. My blog, New World Notes, uh, nwn.blogs.com. I, I, I do write it uh, daily. I don't do as much reporting on Second Life per se as I'd like to, but I, I definitely do on a weekly basis. I have a writer who covers, there's a huge community on Flickr creating, um, uh, uh, Second Life images, you know, you basically take a Second Life screenshot and turn it into art. Especially you can do a lot of really amazing tricks with Whoa. the editing tools. So it's a, it's a very huge mm-hmm. community. So she covers the best uh, Flickr made Second Life images. So cover it that wow. way. And at the same time, yeah, I've definitely expanded beyond that to like uh, Roblox and Rec Room. Uh, put a lot of focus on VR chat lately. I think VR chat is the most likely kind of successor of the new generation mm-hmm. of metaverse platforms to second like it has it has a lot of that same creative spirit just a a very com- creative community that again they um they haven't even added the monetization tools yet they've announced it but they haven't about, added it yet but really that. okay yep mm-hmm. though there's a huge there's a huge unofficial economy there's a lot of uh, youtube streamers for example who are on vr chat but yeah it's a really it's a really amazing community so and yeah. and where aren't there also like hey I want to my want my avatar to be this cool anime lady so can you make it for me and then I'll oh, pay yeah. you off yeah. off platform there there is there is an economy there it's just not in the platform yeah as I understand it like I wrote recently um a guy used to make Second Life furry avatars mm-hmm. uh, he shifted over to do VR chat av- furry avatars mm-hmm. and he just sells them on Gum Road for I think like oh, like wow. twenty dollars or so. So mm-hmm. yeah, so wow. so it's huge informal economy, but they're being very careful about not adding the monetization tools until like they, they can get everything right, so it doesn't totally corrupt it and it gets too hyper capitalist and <laughs> right. it kind of just bums everyone out if you don't do it right. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, you yeah, could take, you could of... tank a platform if you if you oh, implement totally. that incorrectly. You, that's you could see a nosedive. Yeah. So that it's good that they're considering that carefully. Yeah. So, yeah, that and, yeah, I, I do, you know, consulting and marketing stuff on the side. Ultimately, I'd like to get back into working on a metaverse platform. Just take this 20 years and say, well, let's let's actually make a metaverse that matters and yeah. gets us past all of the the hype. We're having a hype uh, bust and then we'll see another hype cycle again with like the Apple Vision Pro coming out. But uh, mm-hmm. yep. really, you know, would love to work with people who want to have a platform that focuses on community and creativity and and really uh, diversity of getting people from all over the world, despite their background, to connect with each other as a community. And that's what makes it really exciting, uh, definitely in comparison to social media, which is not architected that way. It's architected for nope. outrage. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. There's uh, one more question before we head to a break. And Colette, please jump in or interrupt or you yeah. know, change change the subject if, if there's other things you want to dig into here. But what, what you're saying here, James, makes me wonder, uh, is, is a 3D internet inevitable? And what I mean by that <laughs> is like, 
obviously there will always be nerds like us who want to be in world and put on the headset and play video games, etc. But like, does does every if it was really really good and it was really accessible and easy and free and open pop these glasses on and you're good to would everyone still want it? And by that I mean like we have really good video chat. Yeah, it's pretty good. We we're in the future where we can just go boop and like talk to someone on a screen like you do in Star Trek, and yet I don't want to do that at all because it <laughs> it sucks. You know yeah. what I mean? And so like I guess what I'm asking you like I, Zuckerberg and Co are saying, guess what? What if your news feed where you spend all your time connecting with friends was virtual and you were in it and everyone's like, <laughs> what? what what what? Yeah. Is so. What I'm asking is like, is this for normal people, or is it cool <laughs> that it's just never for normals? Well, I'm afraid to tell you, we are kind of normal now. Like the gaming Our, yeah. population is is massive. Is, yep. And actually, I, I start the book by saying this: the metaverse is not for everyone. And if you okay. look at who uses, basically, we're talking about 3D immersive experiences, either on a video game console, VR headset, even mobile. Uh, you, you calculate that all. It's it's roughly twenty five percent of the population online mm-hmm. are people mm-hmm. who enjoy that, and, and I think that's what the the main user base of the metaverse is, or you know the three D internet, if you want to call it that, is going to be. And I've had too much experience seeing people try to bring it to everyone else, and really just even the concept of an, of an avatar that you control that is just very alien for people who are not gamers and are, are not right. used to yeah. that or, or find that like jarring. Like, and, and I've did, you know, cause I helped with second life and I've worked on other metaverse platforms, like where you're actually trying to have people to do a business meeting. And then you, they, you, yeah. you go to them and go, okay, well this is you. And they're like, no, that's a cartoon. <laughs> like, well, no, but it's you and you control it. And they're like, well, wait, I don't look like that. Uh, change it, change it. Or, <laughs> and, and, you know, it it brings up a lot of social constraints that people didn't even think about. Like I, I remember yeah. one woman really I was talking to about doing a um, a meeting in a metaverse platform. She's like, like, wait, wait, my avatar doesn't look like that, but it doesn't look good enough. And I'm already judged by what I wear in real life. And now I got to be judged mm. by what my avatar wears. So it's like, right. There's Whoa. a lot of these barriers that, yeah, I, you that's know, fascinating. I don't see look, that look, we're, changing we're anytime all, soon. Right. We're, we're, oh, we're all gamers now. Well, playing but, yeah. Candy Crush is not the same as making a character in Diablo 4 that's like, I want to look like this and I want to be cool and I want to have this big sword. Like, we understand what we want right. our avatars to look like, but Joe business person yeah. is like, what? What is this? You know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's still like 25% of the population that is addressable. And the other, the rest of the people might enjoy metaverse type experiences in different ways. Like I, I, I like to talk about, you know, Unreal, the Unreal Engine is what Fortnite is deployed in. And that's also how most of um, the Mandalorian is made. And hmm. so in the very near future, I could see you know, like whole TV shows being made in a platform like Fortnite. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your mom, your grandma can watch it. They don't necessarily have to go into the whole 3D space. But, uh, yeah, really (laughs) try to disabuse people to think that you can have an avatar and everyone's going to enjoy it. I mean, I I, I mentioned the book. um, 
the the head tech reporter of NPR. I was showing them Second Life, and they called me up and said, I, I, I think the whole program broke because I'm only seeing black. And we, everyone in, at Linden Lab panicked, and we thought the whole program had exploded. And what happened is they had maneuvered their avatar into a bar and went into a nightclub, <laughs> and and their their camera was stuck into a black pillar. In the wall, yeah. Yeah, no. because they didn't even have a... A mouse. They're using a trackpad, which that was already the Oof. first mistake. So yeah, just and this is the head tech reporter of NPR. So it's like that's yep. kind of what you're looking at, and you have, people yeah. have to be realistic about that. But you know, it's a huge play space already. Yeah, Th- this is fascinating. Okay, one final thought here. What? Uh, okay, I remember. I feel like the story of my childhood as a PC gamer was like. Oh, this is so cool. Download it, pirate it, load it up. Man, my computer can't run this. It sucks. <laughs> yep. I got to beg, I got to <laughs> save up allowance or do work a job or beg my parents for some upgrade or some graphics card. And I recall think, thinking Second Life was so fucking cool and trying it. And it was a horrible experience because my computer was not up to snuff oh. at whatever time. So my yeah. question is like today in 2023, 20, like I know the mobile version's coming, but it's not out yet. If yeah. I have a shitty laptop that I use for work, can I get into Second Life and, and meaningfully participate or do I need like a gaming computer? You really need a, a gaming computer, preferably a desktop with a yeah. dedicated cable. I mean, really, it was designed in the early 2000s when people assumed that broadband would be all delivered through like an actual Ethernet cable. So, right, uh, because all all the content is streamed in real time, which mm-hmm. you know, you just have a huge. You need a huge pipe putting that content, sending that content back and forth from your computer to the servers. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's designed. Inevitably, there's been some uh, attempts to uh, cloud stream it, like uh, like with uh, like Google Stadia, and that that solves the problem. Like you can actually play Second Life. On like a um, a, like a Chrome browser, like a or, or like a virtual machine, like it's running, it's running on a server rather than yeah. locally. Yeah, like yeah. there's um, another streaming company called OnLive, which I worked for for a while, and they were streaming Second Life, and it was really good. Like it, mm-hmm. the all the all the 3D graphics, but you can use an old ass laptop. But um, mm-hmm. this that might be a solution in the future. The streaming costs are still pretty up there, so mm-hmm. it's hard to justify the cost. But I could see that happening. Yeah, in a few years. Yeah, yeah. This is it. Only works for virtual worlds. Like for hardcore gamers, for cloud streaming, there's a slight delay, and you know if you're playing Counter Strike or whatever, even a slight delay, you're gonna get killed. So yeah, gamers don't really like it. But like if it's a kind of casual virtual world or even like an MMO, you can get away with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. I love it all, uh, Colette. Any other any other questions or thoughts before we uh, hop to the next conversation? What do you think? I think the only thing I was just thinking about uh, on and off during all those remarks was like, so you said a couple times playing Second Life, James. Yeah. Um, so like, but Second Life is still just like a space where people can like hang out and build worlds, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, is that? 
that's basically how it's played. Like, so point being, like Matt mentioned earlier, it's not like there's like a certain story or quest or whatever. They just get to like hang around and explore. That's playing. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's a social role playing game. Most of the people who play it, they'll have like a, there's like a large fashionista community. So it's almost like being a sim Whoa. character where like people will model really high end. Like I mentioned the Flickr community. That's what a lot of the Flickr content is just really beautiful, like Vogue quality modeling. So, and that's, that's their experience. Or there's, you know, some major brands that are only brands in Second Life and they have huge followings hmm. and they have like hmm. runway shows and actually modeling. Runway modeling is an actual job people make a living at uh, with their avatar. Mm -hmm. So, wow. yeah, you have that whole community. And then there's there's a lot of, lot of communities who they've built mini MMOs within Second Life. So there's like a role play, like with post-apocalyptic role play or like Grand Theft Auto type role play. Like hmm. they, they kind of usually call it urban role play where you'd either be a cop or a prostitute or a gangbanger. So there's there's just yeah just a really deep uh very varied amount of sub communities within Second Life. Wow. I I I I just want to see like I don't know. This is so fascinating to me and I didn't know it was there meaning not Second Life but the sub communities. So I just love to even like be a fly on the wall I guess to see like these things happening, you know, like a mm -hmm. fashion show or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess the answer to that is make a second life character and go look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say uh, check out my blog, but to really uh, f ideally find someone who's already a active user because it helps to be guided. And even if you're a gamer, the interface is pretty uh, hardcore. I'd say it's kind of <laughs> like an MMO on top of a social media platform on top of a 3d editor. <laughs> it's really it's really challenging so again yeah, it's, but, right, uh, it's not for everyone yeah but like but, but that's it's, but this is like oh i want to find out where the fashion people are so just go on the internet well no i have to like google it i have to know but if you know someone who's like no 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 no, no. go to this website go to this subreddit that's where you're going to find your people and so it is this social entry point where if I love fashion and Second Life looks cool, I can't just boot up Second Life and wander around hoping that a cool fashion show will happen. I have to know where it is and know where who's doing it, right? Well, I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, they have a, a in-game in calendar, in-world calendar of events. Okay. But yeah, it takes a while to find one that's really happening, really popular and fun. And yeah, definitely helps with having people that you already know for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, social first, meaning first. Uh, exactly. uh, gameplay profit second. Yeah. Totally. Uh, if that's if, if we can pull out a theme. Uh, <laughs> what do you say we take a little break, see, and then we talk about uh, some other cool. video games that we, we all have been playing? Yeah. Great. We returned. We are here with James Ao, author of Making a Metaverse That Matters. And uh, you can get that as uh, as a book, book, or as a Kindle. Oh, are you making an audiobook? Are you going to? Is that in the yeah, works? Yeah, that's by the coming way? out soon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm. I think I will. Uh, I will purchase that Sweet. version and be listening to it. Are you going to read it, or do you have someone? Uh, do I, it I think for that you? yeah. No, they hired a team, and they'll yeah. ask me cool. all the weird terms to pronounce. I guess. <laughs> How do you pronounce this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do check out that book. We will we'll link to it in the show notes uh, of this you. episode. 
And in the meantime, as our guest, uh, please go first, James. What video games are you playing or, or currently enjoying? And that is, we always tell guests, it's it's the hot new release or <laughs> it's a shitty mobile game that is just eating up your your brain or it's you're emulating something from 1984. Anything goes. What are you playing right now? I love this question because my gaming preferences personally are very different from what I write about. Like I love <laughs> writing about Second Life and VR chat and all that. But anytime I go into any MMO space, something interesting will happen. And then I'll go, Oh, I guess I'm working now. I'll have to uh-huh. get my notebook. And, <laughs> right. So I just, uh, it, overwhelmingly I play single player games. So like, I just uh, was playing a bit of, mm-hmm. there's a reboot of system shock, a very influential game from the nineties again, but they, Oh um, yeah. They yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Same guys who ca- uh, created thief. So I was playing that for a while. Uh, my my big go-to, I, I'd love to give him a shout-out as an indie developer. It's called Fights in Tight Places. And it's kind of like I've the... I've heard of um, this. Yeah, it's a uh, turn-based card game meets Kung Fu. Like kind of the... Um, uh, what's that? Conquer the Castle meets Kung Fu meets cards. It's really... Yeah, really well-designed. And yeah, you're, just, you're, you're, you're a guy, you're... A, a gal kung fu master and you're you got a, a set of a number of cards and those cards will determine what your avatar does and fights off the various people on accomplished tasks it's just it's really fun and really actually kind of relaxing like after uh, hmm. i'd write work on the book i'd go okay now i'm gonna do a fights in tight places relaxation just totally chill out so that's that's kind of my <laughs> go-to my kind of like comfort food um the upcoming game i'm really looking forward to it comes out uh, i think this uh uh, July 15th is um, Jagged Alliance 3, which is super mm-hmm. geeky. That's a, uh, The first two were a very hardcore late 90s, early 2000s um, turn-based combat strategy. So mm-hmm. uh, with, with a lot of per- personality, all the characters have their own personalities. And they even, they even start yelling at you if you give them commands they don't like. So it's, it's really fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've I've heard of the series and uh, I love tactics games. Colette knows that, but I've never yes. played Dragon Alliance, uh, so I didn't realize that three was uh, was on the way. Yeah, I hope the, it's, it's as good as the last saying. one. Yeah, yeah, turn based yeah. strategy. Yeah, for fights in tight spaces, is uh, is it a um, is it a is it like a deck builder, meaning you're you're gaining cards and abilities and and making a deck that is exactly makes sense yeah. for a you, situation every time you win a battle you get to choose different cards and then you can start building off of them mm-hmm. uh slay is, slay the spire is that close or yeah. is it does it yeah, have that's different what I, I, I said crush the castle yes yeah, slay, slay okay yeah it's slay the spire meets kung fu in 3d huh. would be okay the okay okay best pitch. Okay. yeah nice nice yeah I love excellent it. What platform is this? Obviously Steam, but uh, yeah, Steam. is it on Switch or, or mobile or anything like that? I, yeah, I think it's on some of the consoles. Looking at so, yeah, Switch, PlayStation Five and Four, nice. Xbox. So yeah, yeah. Very nice. Quite a diversity. I hear the System Shock uh, remake is really, really good. Like they did a very good job with it. Yeah, it's good. You can you can still feel the age. Like it's <laughs> got kind of a, a restricted system, but yeah, very. It's interesting. It is like. You know, playing a plastic classic game where you can see all the influences of that one game on all the current games that we have, especially like uh, what the Dishonored series and um, mm-hmm. what's the last one? Oh, I really love the uh, 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Deathloop. I, 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 Death I was going to say, I was like, it was Deathloop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Excellent. A lot of fun. Uh, Colette, did you, did you do System Shock or am I thinking of something else? You were, you were a no, Bioshock person. Bioshock right? was my first one. And then I got really interested in learning about System Shock. And I remember at the time, I don't know if I tried. I actually, oh God, I just had a memory. I think what I did was I, I found a way to get a copy of it and then I played it and then I was like, this is pretty rough. I know they're going to remake it eventually. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Try the new uh, version. Is it? It's good. Yeah. I think I will because I, I am interested. In, it's a setting I would really like. Yeah. Really interesting story too. Just kind of a, like you actually set your own demise in motion at the start of the game. Which is <laughs> wow. kind of a cool twist. Okay. All right. Which I like it. I think, I think Ken Levine worked on that as well. The guy who ended up mm-hmm. uh, writing uh, yeah. Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah, yep. he did. That I remember because I remember like loving Bioshock so much when it came out. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And wanting to go back and try System Shock. And a lot of people at that time were saying System Shock is a far superior game. Like if you love <laughs> if you liked Bioshock so much, you'll love System Shock. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> but there's no official connection between the two games, supposedly. Right. right? There was. a Yeah, it got tied up in the IP rights battle. Um, system shock oh. did and that's actually literally why he called it bioshock and just wow took a lot of the gameplay yeah interesting wow very good that's amazing yeah. i'm so glad you mentioned it because i think it had kind of slipped off my radar and there's actually now a demo on steam so oh, thank yeah. you yeah. Uh, very nice mission accomplished all right uh perfect segue colette you're, you're up next unless you want me to go first it's up to you no, 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 I'm fine going. And uh, honestly, I really, I, I don't really have anything new game wise to share because as I've said, the last couple of times we've recorded, I've kind of had my hands deep in multiple games. Um, so on the Diablo front, I finished the game with my friends and now I'm moving into like the Paragon Ooh. levels. Mm-hmm. And also the season, um, the the se- first season is starting Gosh, I think something like, I don't know, seven or eight days. I asked um, you this last time, and did we figure out, do you create a new, fresh, seasonal character, or do you proceed with the character you've already made? You create do, a brand new character. It's seasonal. Okay. And you, this is good for you, or you're, or you, or not so um, much? I'm kind of undecided. Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't have, like, a star on my calendar the day it launches. <laughs> it's more kind of like, like depending on what's happening they did add like a new storyline and like all these new quests so like they obviously wanted you to have more to do than just like run around in there and you know do something simple they wanted more (laughs) um yeah so so i don't know i'm undecided right now i just want to see what it's like to get there's there's these two new weapon tiers that are above legendary and i really want to see what happens when you get weapons (laughs) of that like Mm -hmm. power Mm -hmm. how long how long that's my motivation there how long did how long did the main quest line take? Uh I would say probably I didn't talk to everybody and I definitely didn't do every <laughs> any a lot of side things. So maybe yeah. like fifteen hours. Oh, that's 15. not bad. 15, 16 hours, One maybe. Five, yeah. And that's yeah, with friends. You you played it all through with with friends, like multiple I you were, you were, you so were like, multiplayer the whole way through. Right. right. So we definitely watched like the, you know, the important big cutscenes, but there were definitely some smaller cutscenes that we were like, all right, we can skip through this, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so still enjoying that. 
as I've said on previous episodes of the show, it just fits a special like groove where I'm just like, man, work really kill me today. I just want to run around and like kill demons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's still working for me. But if I have a little bit more mental bandwidth and I feel more like I'm in this mood, I I've been picking up final fantasy 16 and mm-hmm. the deeper I get, the more amazing the story gets and the more incredibly impressed I am that I'm enjoying a Square Enix Final Fantasy. Um, uh, so yeah, I guess that's cool. that's kind of it. I've been I've been going back and forth between two really rich games that took many 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 years to make, and it's just it's fun. I'm I'm what do you what do you call it when you have a drink in each hand? Uh, oh yes, uh, <laughs> double you're, fisting. Double, you're double fisting. I'm double games, fisting two games high quality Kimbo. games. Very nice. Yep. Would, would so yeah, you, that's really it for uh, me. Do you think you're like halfway through Final Fantasy 16 now, or do you do you feel it coming, wrapping up? What do you know? Uh, I think I'm around the halfway point because my yeah. husband asked me the same question three or four nights ago, and mm-hmm. when I logged out for the evening, you know, on well, you don't know this map, but on the PS5, it'll show you the progress through the game with a bar, and I think uh, it was at like. Uh, yeah it's really kind of cool and uh so anyway i think my progress was like 43 percent or something like i've that. I was like, never oh, okay. even heard of that so it meaning yeah. the game the game is telling the system ui hey colette has done x percent of the main quest or yeah. of yeah. the store main story that has to that has to be implemented game by game right like you ha- like the game I, the developers so. have to tell i mean this is like a playstation exclusive you know for now anyway so, like, do all games do that on PlayStation? Yeah. Even, like, little indie, whatever, yeah. it? They all yeah. are like, yep, you're 50% done. I mean, in my experience, yes. Interesting. TIL. That's Yeah, that's I, cool. I personally love it because I feel like it's just really nice sometimes to, like, you know, you have that kind of, well, how long is this game? Or you have to Google you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like how many hours is this? And it's like, <laughs> no, it's it's right there every time you log out. That's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but anyway, double fisting. That's me. I love it. I love it. You got a double fist. <laughs> There's too Sometimes many damn triple. good games out. That's, uh, oh my God. Truly. True. Truly. And I, I sh- actually, I should mention that the Tears of the Kingdom is just laying dormant because I was playing it and then Diablo came out and then Final Fantasy 16 came out and it was just too many and it got combo broken. So how that's you. how that went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll you'll be taken to gamer jail soon enough. I know. Leaving leaving tears of the kingdom uh, on the table. I know. Uh, all right, I'm I'm gonna close it up with uh, I'm gonna make good on last week's tease. Uh, do you remember what I said to you? <gasps> yes, yes. Oh my god! Until I forgot until just now, and then I remembered. I started playing a game. Speaking of VR, I dusted off my HP Reverb G2 VR headset, which is you know. Whoa. A pretty good piece of hardware for especially at the time that I purchased it. And I was like, yeah, I really I, I've been craving shoot 'em up spaceship. I wanna go in a spaceship and I wanna pum pum some spaceships and bad guys. And I've been craving that lately. And I've been playing Everspace 2, which is excellent. I talked about it a couple shows ago, and continuing there. But I have had my eye on uh speaking of Doom and Quake. Uh, and those types of games from way back when. Do either of you know or remember the game Descent? Oh yeah, Ooh, that sounds familiar. Okay, James, you're aware of it. Really you're... amazing 3D. You're moving your spaceship through different asteroids, right? 
Yeah. It was six degrees of freedom, I guess. Six DOF. Yeah. That's like the the marketing technical term, which is like, hey, in Quake, you can move forward, backward, left and right, and you can look up and down, right? But in a spaceship in descent, you can go, you can physically, you can fly up or you can fly down or you can fly left, fly yeah. right. You can turn 360 degrees to shoot the bad robots who have, who have taken over this asteroid mine. And it blew my fucking mind as a kid because oh, it yeah. was like, wow, I can go anywhere. And it was, it's, it's, it's very corridor driven. So it's not like, um, it's not like a big open space where you can fly through space. You know, you're in a level, but the level it's like, it's like the twisty corridors of a doom or a Metroid, but you're in a spaceship and you're flying and it's really fast paced and it's really uh, uh, very intense, uh, you know, and you, you've you got missiles and different weapons and you're upgrading and whatever. I loved Descent 1, 2, and 3 growing up and I've been craving it. And so the the developer, some of the developers from Descent, I feel like the, the, the Descent IP has been lost to whatever legal battles or, you know, dormant, it's a dormant IP basically. So the, the de- some of the developers from that team had made a new game, and it's 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 multiple years old now. It's a game called Overload. It is it is Descent. It is exactly <laughs> Descent, just without the name, but it's modernized. It runs. It is it is a technological marvel. It runs so well. The frame rate's great. It's a fantastic Steam Deck game. It out of the box, it runs at 60 frames per second. It has the best frame time I've ever seen, which you need because it's it's very twitchy. You gotta you gotta fly around corners at 90 miles an hour and shoot a missile at this renegade robot that's coming at you, and oh god, someone's shooting behind me. It's great. It's it's descent, it's everything you love. And it has VR support. So I was like, you know what? Let me dust off this headset, let me get in there, let me play VR. And you, you know, I think you both know PC VR. Mm-hmm. I'm gearing up for a battle. I'm gearing up for like, oh, I got to update settings. This is not working. This control, whatever, whatever. I'm gearing up for a fight. And I, I boot it up and it works out right away. And I'm in it and it's flawless. It's so good in VR. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm playing Descent in VR. I'm here. We made it. <laughs> I've arrived. And then... The fucking VR headset starts like the, the 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 displays start like flickering out, like they start blacking out in the middle of combat, and I'm like, Damn. fuck. And and so I take it off. I'm trying again. I'm changing the settings. I'm googling, and I'm starting to go down the Google wormholes of like, okay, this headset. Oh, they made version one, which is probably the one I own, and then they updated it with a better cable. It's probably a connection issue, and I'm like. So I could troubleshoot this for two hours and probably spend more money on a headset that's like three to four years old, or I can say no. And I unplugged the whole fucking thing, packed and you it threw up. it out the window. Right? I <laughs> almost threw it out the window, but instead I told my wife, who was very good at selling things on the internet, I was like, "I think that we could. I think we could uh, sell this for a cup, a, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks." She's like, "Great." basically good as new put it in the box I, there's nothing technically wrong with it i think it's just a it's just one of those like this is a known issue of this thing and if you have the patience and time 
to fix it, you can fix it. I was like, no, but I do not. I used to. And no more, no more because for two things, two reasons. One, I'm tired. Number two, I, I, whatever valve makes for this project Deckard, which is hopefully wireless inside out tracking VR self-contained like a steam deck, but also, Hey, wirelessly do it to the PC, like the meta quest questuses. Mm-hmm. I want that. I want a steam VR ecosystem, not a windows mixed reality ecosystem. That's cabled to the computer that has 47 different settings, whatever. I'm like, why <laughs> would I invest my brain in this when I can wait two years and just get the steam deck for my face? That, <laughs> and I said, that's what I'm doing. So get totally. this. So we're gearing, we're gearing up. Colette's going to love this. We're gearing up to like list a bunch of stuff online. My wife's cleaning out the basement. I got a bunch of old video games. I'm like, oh, I'm going to list all these things. I, I list my physical copy of Stardew Valley because I learned also recently that I can play with my daughter multiplayer on the internet, not local communication so i did not need to buy that extra cartridge okay great good as new nintendo switch stardew valley cartridge you could buy it at gamestop for 40 bucks you can buy it from me for 30 bucks what a steal she lists it on facebook marketplace it's so it's someone's like i'd like to buy this great right great sold and then she's messaging with the person and and the and the person's like oh do you have any other video games and we're like do i And so I take a picture of all these things and he wants this, he wants this. And she's like, we have this VR headset. And and he's like, sure, I'll take it. So a dude on Facebook who bought a Stardew Valley cartridge now owns that and my (laughs) VR headset and a bunch of retro cartridges. And it went from $30 to like... 200 bucks that is and we're hilarious. like put oh it all God. in a in a in a in a box and get it the fuck out of here <laughs> and that is my vr story so now i have no vr headset good riddance and i'm playing overload on steam deck and normal ass pc and it's so good it's so good <laughs> and that's my story i am so glad that you got to have the cathartic experience of just <laughs> casting VR out of your life like a sodden whore. Out. Uh, out. It has stolen too much of my sanity. I want to I want to love it and I want to tinker and I want to like be in it and and really do VR properly, quote unquote. But it's just yeah. it's I don't have the patience for it yet. It's not there yet. For me. I, I I wonder even even considered how many people own a place with a large enough room to have yeah. standalone VR. Like I I had to go to kitchen to use my Quest, and then I end up hitting the stove <laughs> while I'm playing Beat Saber. I'm like, I just this shit ain't worth it. Yep. Yeah. I live in LA. I don't have a huge apartment. Yeah, yeah. But do, so, do you own uh, one of the quests, and do you still have it? And yeah, and do you, is it collecting okay. dust, or do, can it you, is you can use dust. it for? But you can use it for VR chat and uh, and uh, Second Life. No, I, I, I use it in VR chat, and I almost knocked the T on my lap. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, just, it really yeah, I just yeah, and if people like VR, that's great. But really, just even the process of getting the whole set thing set up in your physical space, I think it's just such a it's such a barrier to most people. So yeah, yep. I'd agree and with I, that. hey, I was playing seated. Like this game is had no controllers. I'm with an Xbox controller sitting at my computer 
playing seated, but it's like the wire is like connected and it's like pulling from the side. And then the, and then of course I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then the display, one of the eyes goes black and I'm like, ah, forget it. (laughs) I'll wait. I'll wait for the good stuff. Wait for the good stuff. That's it. Yep. Uh, James, thank you so very much for spending time and giving us this tour. Appreciate it. Super fun. Uh, if people want to, f- we're going to link to the book and your blog. Uh, if there are other places right. like social media, uh, uh, where can people yeah. subscribe and follow? I guess probably the easiest one is still Twitter, as uh, much as of a shit show it is now. But uh, <laughs> SL Hamlet on Twitter, and uh, yeah, but I'm on all of them: Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky. So yeah, please connect. Fantastic, very good. Colette, final words, final thoughts. What are, What are you doing tonight? What are you playing? Uh. You know, I don't know. I kind of have to like get off the podcast and go sit on my sofa and decide, am I in the mm. demon murdering mm. like kind of vibe or do I want to <laughs> go into a rich medieval world with hot people? <laughs> Going to Sekulai, Both they have, have their above. appeal. Right. <laughs> we'll find out next week on Colette and Matt have entered the chat. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Oh,